Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Drake Leonards and Daniel Blue from Eunice coming up in a little bit. But first, I am joined by my frequent co-host and my beloved friend, Linda Salinas. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Bam, bam, bam. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> that, that, that might top uh, Felice's hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I haven't decided. Uh, but let's not dawdle. We have a lot to discuss. Let me dive into the news of the week. Uh, starting with good news for a change. Urban Harvest, the organization that organizes the weekly farmer's market on east side between Richmond and West Alabama, has announced that they are relocating that market to a parking lot that belongs to St. John's School at the corner of Buffalo Speedway and Westheimer, uh, which we here at Culture Map described as Houston's best private school, probably because that's where I went to high school, but also because I kind of like to troll all the... uh, Kincaid and Episcopal grads out there. You need to calm down, okay? <laughs> uh, Linda, I know that you are a farmer's market regular. I am. What do you think about this move for Urban Harvest? Um, a, I think that it's a great move for them. There's more parking. They have had a lot of people that have been wanting to get into that farmer's market, but because of spots and so on and so forth, I mean... When that market very first started, what, 11 years ago? Like almost 15. Almost 15. Okay. 15 years ago, it was, I mean, I had, a, I had a conversation with someone from San Francisco this weekend, and she's like, I remember moving to Houston, coming from San Francisco that had such a vast, you know, uh, food, you know, um, farmer's market, you know, circuit. When she came here 10 years or whatever, I guess it was probably like eight or nine years ago, she was like, I was so mad. She's like, I was mad and sad. And I was like, sister, 10 years ago, it was basuritas, you know, little trashes. You know, it was just like, just a little bit here or there. But since then, I mean, even even this week, uh, we we walked through and, I mean, there's a lot of space and there's still more people coming into those markets with different things. So I think this is a really good move for them. It is going to suck because most people hate change yes people hate change but we should say this is a very good change and one of the reasons this is a very good change is because of kirby icehouse now it's not kirby icehouse's fault that the market is moving but kirby icehouse's success has caused problems for the market it's cut into its parking and frequently there's always like a couple of cars where market stalls are supposed to be from people who it's made just, the smart I decision mean, not to drive. It's home. just, I mean, they've been, they've had a really great. I mean, honestly, um, I know both both parties, and they've had a really, really good relationship. And yeah, it just, even it off a, the record, they have nice things to say. About yeah, they really do. Like it's, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, people are not going to like it just because of the change. That's just like any restaurant that changes their menu, and they've been there for ten years, and they're like, "Why did you?" When it's like, "Well, you haven't." Right. Why did you take this? Why did you take my favorite fish dish off the menu? Yeah, it's like because 
three people order that a month and you were one of them and you haven't been here in a year. In a year or it's off season or we're moving to like organics or you know what I mean? Like right, no right. one's going to so, like it. So 50% more space for vendors, which means more vendors because they are currently kept out and a 500 plus car parking garage, which will make the parking considerably easier instead of like weaving in and out of various lots looking for a spot or yeah, praying no. for a street spot. No, I mean the growth the growth is good. Um the growth is good. I'm I'm really really happy that they're finally I mean they were really they were really concerned about where they what the next move was. Yeah, they've know? been looking for a place for a long time. Uh, I mean the other thing about the farmers market is that it, it's not just a place to shop, it's also a place to like hang out and see friends. I mean, I was there Saturday I ran into you. Yes. Uh, I ran into a, a number of chefs, including several who have been guests on this show, including uh, Dominic Lee from Puccine and Don Burrell from Culture. So you see Justin Yu there. Right. You a see lot. Chris Shepard there hanging out. I've yeah. seen Hugo Ortega there on a pretty regular basis. So, yeah. I mean, it's the who's who of Houston. You yeah. Know, of, of like food. You and know? it's built a food community there. And yeah, I do think it's a little bit silly that really there's that market on Saturday and then the rice market on Tuesdays that are the only place to buy farm fresh produce in Houston that I'm aware of, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So from, Oh wait, before I move on, what are you working on with urban harvest? Linda Salinas? Um, we are actually uh, working on an event. Um, it's a fundraiser. It's called, uh, cultivated cocktails and we're putting together a set of uh, Houston mixologists slash bartenders um, movers and shakers in Houston and they are going to be having a cocktail party and it's an Italian ba uh, Italian based spirits cocktail party in the garden um, next to tiny boxwoods uh, and the food is going to be from Modus Pizza. Oh, Pizza Modus. Yes, pizza very Modus. good. Pizza Modus. It's a Roman-style pizza. Uh, and the bartenders are from uh, Nancy's Hustle, Christine Wynn. Okay. Uh, Cole Tavari, Sarah Keck. Wonderful. And uh, surprise, surprise, uh, we've got Mongoose versus Cobra, Josh Alden, that was... Uh, that's moving from Moving Sidewalk uh, over to Mongoose. I love Josh. Yeah, he's awesome. So um, those guys are going to be shaking some um, Italian cocktails for Urban Harvest. It's their one of their um, big fundraisers. It's $75 a person. Um, when is it? It is October 19th from 6 to 9 p.m. Okay. And I will put a link to, I assume there's like an Eventbrite or something? Yeah. Okay. I'll put a link to that in the Culture Map article that accompanies this podcast. Okay, let us move on from Urban Harvest to a little bit of chef drama. David Cordua and Michael Cordua are no longer affiliated with Cordua Restaurants. Uh, this came as a, a surprise to me when I learned about it uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, apparently, Michael has not been involved with the company for some time. Of course, Michael founded the company in 1988 with the first churrascos. He grew that to several churrascos around town. There's America's, there's Cordua Catering. David is his son. He started working for the company when he was 15, uh, but neither one of them are affiliated anymore. They've started a new company, 
Michael and David Cordua Hospitality. They're working on a restaurant that David is not ready to tell me about, but in the meantime, he's got a uh, a pop up series that he's uh, he's got going on called Young DM Yum DMC. Easy for me to say, and uh, and yeah, they'll be around. They're they're moving on to bigger and better things. Linda, what do you think? Are you uh, are you a Michael and David Cordua fan? I am actually. Uh, I just I say. Praise emoji, you know, like um, they're I mean, who else has done that? Who else has taken their like their name? their kind of like their namesake and still crushed, you know, to a certain degree is Valone. Right. Like he sold Grotto, right? Yeah, he sold Grotto, he and, sold Grotto and LaGrelia. And those guys are doing great. You know, um, their brand, their brands do, you know, they got a little watered down. But at that point, it's like. It's on you, boo, you know? <laughs> right. So this does not necessarily mean that people should not keep going to Churrasco's or America's. Yeah. Right? They're still going to have the Churrasco steak and the plantain chips with the salsa and that Tris Leches that's like the best anywhere. They're, they're going to keep doing their thing. Yeah. I mean, and, who, and who, bought, who bought it? So investors in the company who sort of took over. Took over? I mean, I'm excited to for them to break out of that mold that they've been stuck in, you know? I am too. I mean, you see, David David does a lot of cool events. Uh, David does a lot of cool events. Like, he did Butcher's Ball last year. Yeah, he won the very first Truffle Masters competition. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, the the problem with having your name attached to something that's so successful is you can, sometimes you can't break away from it. No, remember, they opened that America's in the Woodlands years and years ago, and they brought in all this outside talent, Randy Rucker, uh, Jonathan Jones, Plinio Sandalio, and Plinio changed the Tris Leches, and there was, like, rioting. Yeah. Because people have expectations that yeah. go along with their, yeah. with what it means to go to a Cordua restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and when you want, and you want to, when you want to grow, you know, when you want to grow and, you know, develop another part of your brand, I mean, Branding is great. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes you just got to like say, you know what? Let's just keep plugging someone, something else, you know? So, um, and I mean, they're, they're both like, like. They're two of the nicest guys in Houston. They are the nicest freaking guys in the business, you know? Anyways. So, yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I want to see, I want to see what's going on with this uh, new restaurant. Yeah. I'm. Um, you know, I, I'm not like texting David every day like, hey, do you want to talk about it now? Can we talk about it now? Please, please, can we talk about it? But I might be texting him every week being like, is this the week that we can talk about it? So, yes, news on that. Uh, TBA. TBA. But very much working on it. All right. Uh, and then just briefly, I want to note that Del Frisco's Grill is closing September 16th. Ugh, I'm tired of them. <laughs> uh Half off booze until they close. Mm, no. No. No, thanks. You're not going to miss the cheeseburger? No. Not going to miss the meatloaf? Nope. There's better meatloaf with better service somewhere else. Zing. Is there, what is it about West Ave that keeps causing restaurants to close? Robert I, Del Grande didn't work there. Look. Nara didn't work there. Katsuya didn't work but there. But what is working there? Well, yes. Tell me. Pondicherry is the only restaurant that What's really the seems damn to work deal? All right. Pondicherry. 
So what makes Pondicherry special? What makes it special is, is that it's easy to come in and out, and it's something that is different. I'm sorry. you got to have it, you know? Nobody wants to go eat your, you know, your you know, $15 burger and your crummy wine and your, you know, BS cocktails somewhat, you know, from corporate somewhere else. Like, I'm sorry, you know, like there's just, you can't drop something in that, in that area and not have like something like, bam, like extraordinary, you know? Well, and I I do think it's interesting that the stuff that seems to be working in West Ave for the most part isn't restaurants, it's retail, right? Tootsie's but, is huge. There's but, that giant spa. There's all but you stuff. have to you have to look at that whole intersection and area. You've got what is doing really well over there? Relish, sure. Relish, fresh ingredients, state counter service, state of grace. Local there, foods. Local foods is crushing over there. There's um, a boozy. A boozy is a little bit further over. I mean, but. Uh, but you know, but, but what I'm saying is, is that everybody in the, in those complex and those kind of sort of complexes, like, like if you did just a champagne and fried chicken in that area, maybe that would crush, you know, maybe, but Giacomo's, all of that stuff is affordable. It's affordable. You can go once or twice a week and not have the same thing. Like, I'm sorry. Like, like you're, they're trying to smash like high, high PPA monsters with a more casual and it's just, it doesn't work there. Right. You know? It's working very well in the woodlands for whatever yeah. that's worth. Well, I mean, that's just a different clientele. Sure. And it's all the way out there. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have anything else, but you know, uh, but uh, you know, like other chain restaurants, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, anyways, I'm telling, I'm telling Austin Simmons, you said that. Whatever. He doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I don't know. We'll see what happens next. Um, you yeah, know. I, I, I mean, at this point, I would be surprised if another restaurant takes that space, considering it will now have, it will now have come up short twice, right? Robert Del Grande had uh, Ava Kitchen and Whiskey Bar there that, that didn't work, and then, uh, and then Del Frisco's Grill uh, closing after about five years, which is kind of a normal lease term, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know. I, I don't, like, other than Pondicherry, I don't really have a feel for what works in that space. Uh, it's kind of big. It's kind of awkwardly shaped. Street visibility is weird. Not being able to park close by is weird. Houstonians I mean, are really fussy about that stuff. I mean, but yeah, but it doesn't, I mean, like, I don't think it's it's that complex. It's you're trying to shove something in an area that everything else is so much more vibrant, you know? All right, so what would you open there? I don't know. I'd have, I had, I would have to really look at the demographics because, I mean, really what it comes down to, it's like I don't care how great your – I do not care at how great your idea is. You have to understand the freaking uh, – the, the neighbors. The neighbors and who you're right, where you're going to pull your regulars from, you know? Like that's – I mean that's really what matters. Like your ideas are really great. That's real cute of you to do this. But it really just comes down to is it is – it, can, it, can it be sustained – by the neighborhood, or do you have enough following to get into a space that they'll come for you, you know? And I think that that's, I mean, that's just, I think that's just a rule of thumb, you know what I mean? Like if you're, if you drop a, if you drop a concept where there, there's nothing else like you and you can, you can still like pick from what's outside around the neighborhood, take it, you know? So, boo hoo. 
Uh, all right. Last topic. Uh, Postino Wine Cafe, the Arizona-based restaurant, uh, opened in the Heights earlier this year, has picked Montrose for its second location. They're taking the Montrose Mining Company space. Ugh. I mean, this has crushed by using, to, to use one of your words, this is absolutely crushed in the Heights. Every time I drive past oh, Postino, it's and you know, busy. It's, and it's funny, I get calls about like let's go there let's go do that you know let's go let's go have a glass of wine there like yeah, it's have awesome you, have you been no i haven't i know i'm gonna like it you're gonna love it I, but it's I, five dollar glasses of wine but it's also outside of my outside of my my hood my hood is montrose um and my heights upsets me sometimes too so all right well five dollar glasses of wine from 11 a.m to 5 p.m every day i mean but are they gonna bring their kids with them I don't know. You I, know what I'm I have saying? not seen a lot of children in there. Okay. All right. No, because it's in Heights Park until the kids go to local foods, kids go to Melange Creperie or Cloud yeah. 10. They don't go to Postino. That's okay. where the that's where the mommies go to get away from the kids. Okay. All right. Well, maybe I'll give them a sh- uh, I mean, I actually I have been wanting to check it out. Um like from it comes from like literally like wine professionals to like you know, my you know, my other friends, you know, yes. non, non-restaurant people. And they really I, like it. I didn't know you were friends with non-restaurant Shh, people. be quiet. Don't tell anyone. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, super fun wine list. Very reasonably priced. Uh, those bruschetta boards and the meat and cheese plates, that's all, that's all good. They're actually expanding the menu with some more like shareable snacky stuff too. That's, so it's, it's been very successful in Houston. Uh, second location... You know, right in the heart of everything, right near, Man. right near Bobby Yeager, right near Barnaby's, I right mean, near. I just, I'm sad because I've lived in Montrose for 16 years. Another gay bar becoming a straight person hangout. Is that what you're sad about? I mean, it happens a lot. It's not that. It's not about like a straight person or a gay person. It's just like, it's a, it's, it's an identity, identity in that community that's been, an identity, you know, like, like, I don't know if you've ever been to the mining company. I, I did not go to the mining company. My goodness. It was seedy. And I went to JR's for drag queen bingo. Is that a thing that I could have yes. done? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. what I did. Okay. No mining company full of bears, you know, big old burly gay dudes. And Male dancers and seedy as ever. It was great. It was great. So seedy. It made almost half of half of whoever walked in there uncomfortable. It was outstanding. Like, no, you don't belong in here. Gone. Go back to the burbs, you know, like, or go back to your, you know, your cute little house. Like, it's weird in here. <laughs> so where did those guys hang out now? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sad, but that also, um, like, why did they close to fir- in the first place? Right. They closed after 36 years. Why? For, I don't know. Was their rent? Was their rent high? I don't know. You know? They didn't say why. They just closed. They just closed? Like, I don't know. I mean, is that, I mean, I don't know. Did the people that used to go there now decide to go somewhere just like way better? Um, right. Maybe. They don't want. They don't want to drink cr- crappy 
booze because it was it was really like dirt dirt rot you know like just awful rot gutting plastic bottle of vodka yes plastic bottle of vodka and occasionally a bottle of absolute you know um that was know, the top shelf yeah that was the absolute top shelf but you know like i mean at some point like people grow like your neighborhoods change the neighborhood tastes change. change and become more sophisticated but by the same token there's all these people that that want to complain including myself like well if you really want to create an identity you know within the community then why don't you just open up your own place that was just better you know what i mean like that's for me too like right like if if i really cared about it i would have supported the business or i would have done it better or any of that so i don't know i mean i'm hoping that I'm hoping that someone will take open up another cool gay spot, you know, but I mean Barbarella is kind of the last one at least that comes to mind off the top of my that's head. That's not anything like that. Oh, sorry. That's your get out of here. I'm wrong. You okay. are wrong. Get out of here. All right. Well, I'm personally excited. I, I've lived in Montrose for about 10 years. I'm I'm excited that Postino is coming to the neighborhood. I think it's going to be huge. Uh, it'd be so huge. Huge. All right. <laughs> That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Linda, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk about two places, starting with One Fifth Mediterranean. This is the third version of Chris Shepard's concept uh, where they change the restaurant every year. First, it was a steakhouse that was so successful it's becoming its own restaurant sometime in the next couple of weeks. Uh, then there was One Fifth Romance Languages, which which I had a couple of good meals at, but frankly, just won't miss very much. Uh, and now it is One Fifth Mediterranean, which takes its inspiration from the Eastern Mediterranean, so Greece, Turkey, Israel, and Northern Africa, so Egypt, Morocco, that sort of thing. Uh, Linda, I think we had a we had a pretty good dinner at One Fifth. What what were your sort of first impressions? That concept is really interesting to me because you're taking you're taking a cuisine that is first off we haven't seen a we haven't seen a fine dining. No, fine dining Mediterranean has done very well in other cities. I'm sure people in Houston have been to Shia uh and then that chef alone Shia just opened a new restaurant in New Orleans called Saba and then there's a restaurant in Philadelphia called Zahav that's Israeli, uh, that's won a whole bunch of James Beard Awards. So, And there's also the pig in the, like it's Purple Pig or something in Chicago, and that's a James Beard Award-winning Mediterranean. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Elevated Mediterranean. The Purple Pig. The Purple Pig, okay. Yeah, that's right. So I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited about One-Fifth Mediterranean is we don't have anything like it here. Yeah. Well... But we have a lot of casual Mediterranean. Yes, we do. Right? Yes, I mean, we do. You know, if you live in Montrose, uh, Aladdin is obvious. You know, a lot of buffet-style, cafeteria-style Mediterranean restaurants. I mean, the Mossies, Fadis, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that um, I, really loved, I really loved being able to hear and see someone talk about a food without just giving you a... Yeah, it's just salad. Yeah, it's just whatever. Like, um, no, they don't make it easy for you. They have the the native language terms yeah. on the menu, 
And if you want to know, you either have to ask or you better get your phone out and start Googling. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think one of the things that makes me, um, like, at, as a, as like a food community, like, you know, as a whole, I think it's it's great that it comes with a great, like, dissertation, you know? And I think that that's really what really, what I really loved about, about One Fifth was is that the service was really exceptional. You right, know. and that's really what Chris has been doing his in his career, at least since he started Underbelly, is taking these dishes that are cooked in small immigrant-owned restaurants in far-flung parts of Houston, fancying them up a little bit, and making it, uh, serving it in a way that's approachable for people who are not familiar with the cuisine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I certainly... Um, I would prefer to go eat, you know, once or twice a week, you know, that style of food at a, you know, at a lower price point, you know? Yeah. But you'll go to Hillcrop, right? You'd go to Darbond or Kazra or whatever. Yeah. Or even Demasi's, you know, um, like their buffet or Aladdin in Montrose or any of, any of that stuff. But, um, when it really comes down to it, I think that the, the reason why, it's I think it's at is it is very relevant is is that a lot of the people that come to that style of restaurants, um, they don't know that food. Like we know what it is, you know, we know what what the dips are, what city, what origin, you know, you know, what part of the country it was, you know, but like that's 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 a really foreign thing. Like, uh, I mean, I remember going to, you know, Chinatown you know, eight, nine years ago and being like, what is Szechuan? Like, right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so really, it's, I mean, in all honesty, yeah, now we know Mala, like Mala's been in Montrose now. Awesome. Cool. But green peppercorns, like eight years ago. Right. That make you kind of hallucinate a little bit. Like that was very, yeah, like just, it was just weird. And so like, if you're going to educate like a certain, you know, echelon of dining you know or diner like let's start there and have someone that really understands service because even though i'm not gonna probably go there again you know um because i just i like other 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 styles of mediterranean i think that it's it's great it serves it serves its purpose and in what in one year it'll, yeah it, it'll it, flip it, again right it'll flip again but but i do want to focus on some of the things we liked there um, starting with the hummus, which was kind of mind blowing, like very flavorful, very creamy, hot, fresh pita coming straight out of the oven. Oh, pita, what's with up? that? With that, uh, that hummus. We had one with the spicy lamb and one with the I green mean, tahina. No, I mean, no. I mean, like it's good. I mean, I it was I, really. Good. I literally see. I'm literally seeing hummus. Oh, it everywhere. Is, it is the dish of the moment. It really is puccine hummus, flower child. Hummus. Classic all day. Yeah, classic all day. Hummus. Like everybody. I mean, there's a, a we've developed three hummuses for Great Grocery, and that is the highest selling item on that truck. You know what I mean? Um, it's a farmer's food truck. You know what I mean? Like it is literally from the lowliest of low all the way to the very top. Like you know that you like that dish is everywhere. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not bad. It's just it's it's blown up 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's super popular. Uh, lots of lamb on the menu. Yeah. I thought of the three lamb dishes we had. I liked that lamb tartare the best uh, with the flatbread and the mint and the garlic spread. Lamb sweetbreads were a little bit funky for me. Um, and then that whole lamb shoulder, which is kind of the the I, big I think, deal dish. We didn't, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure that that like sweet meat thing really suits a lot of people's palates. I mean, um, I will tell you that uh, probably the best dish I had was like the beauty and simplicity of um, whipped feta. With yeah, the, with the oven. roasted tomatoes. Yeah, the, the, that was fantastic. Like the there were roasted tomatoes that got that burst in the oven. Like it was outstanding, and I was like, "Okay, what's up? What's up?" You know. So, um, but for the for the for the most part, like it was it was a great dinner. Um, I wouldn't go back, you know. But just but that's just because I like wild not somewhere else you know so yeah i mean we spent about a hundred dollars a person yes that buys you a nice dinner at just about any restaurant in houston yeah and and we also had drinks and, right right no that's that's everything food yeah. drinks tax yeah. tip we dropped about a hundred dollars a person for five people yeah which is a fancy dinner by any stretch of the imagination absolutely um i think i would go back because there's more stuff on the menu that i want to try I think I would do that sightseeing tour because at least that gives you a fixed cost on the food of $60 a person. Then you can kind of go up from there with cocktails and wine. But uh, I am sympathetic to your, to your point that when you're playing around at that price point, you open yourself up to a lot of good choices. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that will put a pin in one fifth and then, running a little short on time, but I do want to mention Flower Child. This is the new healthy eating concept from Fox Restaurants. They own North Italia, a very popular restaurant in the Galleria area. I'm a big fan of them. This is in Uptown Park, Fast Casual. This is another one of these restaurants where if you're gluten-free, if you're vegetarian, if you're vegan, if you're dairy-free, lots of great choices. We sampled somewhat broadly at a VIP preview event. Uh, I'm just going to say I was pretty impressed by what we had at Flower Child. I went in with kind of low expectations, but like, you know, you tell me the steak's going to be cooked medium and it's medium. Yeah. Set you on green beans with like a decent amount of spice to them. That, uh, oh, that macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese was not good. We'll was come to that. awful. That uh, the corn and quinoa, I thought that was good. That was the, awesome. Salad with the strawberries. Your uh, oh, your forbidden, forbidden rice. Your forbidden rice bowl, right? Forbidden rice, nicely rice. cooked, salmon yeah. medium. Yeah, uh, I'm in for all of that. Caramelized onions, like it was good. I mean, everything was good. The place was nice and bright, pretty, great. Um, that mac and cheese was gritty. Gritty. It had it tasted cheesy, <sighs> right? But, okay. Well, okay. Let's let me. But let me, the texture wasn't. Good. Let me tell everyone this right now. I do not like mac and cheese to start with. I think it's it's crazy to me. I don't. It's just not my thing. I'm well, like I didn't grow up eating it either. So no, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of with you. But but I I, I, mean, I recognize people have a very emotional. People are very emotional about their mac and cheese. But I didn't grow up with that, and so I generally I'm like oh cheese and pasta. You know I don't get it. Um. But it was gritty. It was not good. But I think it's just because they were trying 
they're trying something that is supposed that they're trying to make healthy and that's when i think people mess up with like healthy food like do healthy food like do healthy like great healthy food when what, what you know and, and put it what it is you know like there's you know quinoa and roasted corn that was really great like everything else was really wonderful but i did have a bone to pick with them oh yes go on your go on your rant and okay. then we'll and then we'll wrap this up all right fine First off, I drink hot tea like I'm English. I drink hot tea with a little splash of milk. And when I sat down and they're like, oh, everyone's super pleasant. Everyone's like. Service, service was great. Although. Just vomiting you, happiness. When you just, know that it's the VIP preview event, the service. Yeah, like everybody was just so dang happy. And when I asked for milk, they were like, oh, I'm sorry. We don't have milk. And I was like, okay, what? And they were like, yeah, there's no, there's no milk. And I was like, okay, uh, well, could you bring some almond milk? Almond milk and milk are not the same thing. Like, absolutely not the same thing at all whatsoever. Like, no. And that also comes to the point where I went to another very Instagrammable, you know. You went to Vibrant, we can say. I that. went to Vibrant, and I walked in, and again, I go to, I'm like, oh, okay, cool, what a beautiful place. Oh, look at all these great items, blah, blah, blah. I get a freaking cappuccino, it sits down, and I'm, I, I'm like, Ugh. Right, it's made with coconut. It's made with coconut milk. No, boo. So are you going to start like carrying like a little Yeti or something with milk in it when you go to these places? No, I'm just going to get really upset. <laughs> All right. Linda, thank you for being here. All right. I will link to your uh, cultured cocktails event in the article that accompanies this podcast. Uh, and then I will be right back with Drake Leonard's and Daniel Blue. Bye, guys. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Fall is here. School has started. Cooler temperatures are coming, even if we don't know exactly when, which means it's a great time to go back to Eighth Wonder Brewery, uh, one of my favorite local breweries. I love visiting the brewery in East Downtown. It's just, they always have something fun going on. There's always the Eatsy Boys food truck serving food. And of course, there's Eighth Wonder's beers, which are easy drinking and always very flavorful. They've been working through their series of collaborations with local Houston hip-hop artists. The brewery always has something really special on tap. And the Wonderworld, the backyard, is always a great place to gather with friends, uh, especially if you're in the middle of a, a bar crawl through the neighborhood. You can hit a couple spots, but always make sure you stop at 8th Wonder. So thank you to 8th Wonder for sponsoring the show, and here's our guest of the week. I'm joined this week by Drake Leonard and Daniel Blue from Eunice. Gentlemen, I'm going to introduce you one at a time. Drake, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having us. We're uh, excited to be here. Daniel, what's going on? Hey, man. How's it going? Glad to be here. Glad to talk to you, finally. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Daniel, I think I, I ran into you guys like at the the farmer's market, maybe as, as far back as like a year ago, and you were like, when are we going to be on the podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about it a lot. We, you know, we run into each other all the time, and we really wanted to be on the podcast. We listen to it every week. It's kind of kind of a fun way to keep up with the industry and uh you know we enjoy it so uh we wanted to be on it kind of talk about the restaurant what we're doing and yeah it's, it's time yeah so, i mean daniel i've known i've known you i guess i first met you when you uh signed on with richard knight to open hunky dory but you have a, a 
pretty extensive history in Houston restaurants, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been around Houston for a little while. I um, I went to culinary school here, and then I, I while I was in culinary school, I got a job with Richard at Feast, and I worked there for you know two of the first three years that it was open with James and, and Megan and the whole crew, and we really uh really got a good foundation with Richard, and you know built a pretty strong relationship with him, and then I moved to New Orleans and started working at August, and then I moved back, and I, you know when I moved back, um, I moved back from Germany actually, and. Richard called me and said, you know, I'm opening this restaurant called Hunky Dory. You want to come, come, come do it with me. So I joined the team and I worked with him opening the restaurant. And, you know, we did, we did a lot of stuff pre-opening. I think that's when we met initially with the Kipper Club and um, some pop-ups and stuff like that. But, yeah, I've been around a little while. Drake, how about you? When did you get started cooking? So I started, uh, I, I tell you what, I started young. I was very fortunate to, to come from a family that uh, was kind of in farming and, and agriculture. And so food was very important right from a young age and being from a little small town and uh in uh, southwest louisiana was uh you know food was always very important so started cooking at home started being around it i always knew that i i liked the entertaining aspect of it we entertained at home i love to cook uh went to culinary school uh right out of right out of high school went to college at uh in south louisiana at, in thibodeau uh at nickel state and then um from there you know, from there, started working in New Orleans and, and just uh, kind of hopped around. Left New Orleans, went to New York for a couple of years. Uh, left New York and moved to uh, to Europe and uh, back to New Orleans. And here we are back in Houston. So, right. So, be. so prior to prior to signing on with Eunice, you were working for Luke. Is that correct? Yeah. So I ran Luke for a couple of years. I actually opened it as a cook. Uh, did an externship there in culinary school. So uh, about ten years ago, um, and so I was I was kind of an opening. You know, in those days, it was it was breakfast, breakfast and lunch cook, and uh, we would go and start making breakfast and work work into the hours as the, as the restaurant got off the ground. So yeah, and I think people in Houston probably know Luke. It's a you know, it's a pretty popular. Uh, what would you say, French inspired brasserie kind of restaurant? Yeah, yeah, I think it's right. Yeah, Cajun kind of Cajun Creole with a little bit of the German influence, and uh, you know, in, in the style of a French brasserie, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then how did you become, because, cause we should say Eunice is affiliated with BRG hospitality. That's the, the company that owns Luke and August and Cheyenne, a couple other properties in new Orleans. How did, how did you become the person that was going to open the restaurant in Houston? Uh, you know, always loved Houston, right? Always came here. We came here as kids. So it was about the same distance from Houston to from Eunice to Houston as it was from Eunice to New Orleans. Um, and we always followed the Astros, um, always pulled for the Rockets, right? That was in the mid-90s when, when the Rockets were winning championships and, uh, and also when the Astros had the killer bees. So Bagwell, Biggio, uh, Derek Bell, I think I remember. Um, and so my dad always liked to, um, to come for games in the summer and had a lot of friends in oil and gas business. And so came here to do to do some business as well. So uh, Houston was always a place that we would come, and uh, and the opportunity came up to maybe open a space here. And uh, my wife was excited for an opportunity to move to Houston. She's got a lot of friends uh, that lived here as well from growing up in New Orleans, and they moved with oil and gas to Houston. And she said, "Hey, if if the opportunity comes, I would love to to take a chance and move there and and um, and go do it." Yeah, I mean, I. I, I mean, you've been here for over a year now, and, and I know that because I I met up with you guys at a church in North Houston after uh, Hurricane Harvey. You guys were feeding gumbo and jambalaya to a whole bunch of people that had been displaced by the storm. 
Um, what's it been like getting to know Houston? What have you learned? It's an amazing community, right? Uh, a bunch of great restaurants that I, that I didn't necessarily, I didn't spend a whole lot of time uh, in the last couple of years until I moved here. Um, but, but a great group of chefs. Everyone's been very supportive of us and met, met tons of people who, um, you know, who've kind of taken us in. Um, I've learned that I have a love for Tex-Mex. I'll tell you what. Um, I haven't met a fajita that I didn't like. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the climate is very similar, I think, to New Orleans. The growing seasons, right? Very similar. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of great opportunities here for, for people, um, you know, for, for cooks, for restaurants. There's a lot of people. And so a lot of people creates opportunities to be able to cook the food and serve the food of, um, you know, for us, it's Louisiana food. But for so many people, whether it's the great ethnic food, Chinese food, right? I've been exposed to some of that stuff that I've never seen in Louisiana um, since I've been there. Sure. So, Daniel, what about you? How have you been getting ready? I mean, you've had almost a year to get ready for this restaurant to open. What have you been up to? We've uh, we spent a lot of time in New Orleans, back and forth a whole lot. There's a couple of projects that we worked on. We have, uh, you know, there's a big disaster relief project that we helped. Uh, we helped feed, you know, Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. Um, that's a kind of close to our hearts after after Katrina we you know we saw how we how we could help with food and we, we were involved in a project to feed Puerto Rico and uh we traveled a lot back and forth to um to New Orleans doing a lot of mini testing in, diff- in the different restaurants had a chance to stage around there's been a lot of pop-ups that we've been doing around here for you know for some some private events and also some you know some goodwill stuff uh it's we've we've been busy it's uh it's been it's been a, it's been a long year but uh it's it's been good you know there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done before a restaurant opens, and we're just trying to be as prepared as possible. Yeah, so, Drake, let me just ask you, how do you describe Eunice to people who, who are like, so what is this restaurant? What can we expect from it? Yeah, so, you know, Eunice, to me, the, the most important thing besides the, 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 the name Eunice um, is the town that I grew up in. And so in that little small kind of agriculture-driven community, we always had um, we always had great food on our table, right? So the table was really was really full, not because people had tons of money, but because people in that, that community were really good cooks, right? In the springtime, we had access to plenty of crawfish and rice. Um, in, the, in the fall, there was always kind of everyone hunted, right? So we duck hunted, we dove hunted, we teal hunted, uh, you know, and then late into the winter, we, we had venison. And then, and then the fall rolled around again. So for me, it's, it's not just about the food that we necessarily grew up with. It was about in the way in which we grew up. Um, People were really always generous, right? No matter if you have a lot or not, people were always generous with their time, with their food, um, and always wanted to uh, to cook for you and to feed you. And so that's a, that's the way that I kind of grew up, and it's still what I really hope this restaurant is means to people. I hope people can always say that we can go there and get a, a really nice meal. The food is really fresh, um, you know, prepared really really well, and also that the hospitality is is really just. Um, you know, welcoming and that people feel as though it's an extension of our home. Daniel, what are some of the dishes that you're really excited about serving to people? I mean, I think it's, it's really important that we bring a lot of the, uh, the New Orleans flavor that we, we love that we grew up with, but some of the stuff that we put a little twist on, I know, you know, I'm really happy that our shrimp and grits is going to be on the menu. It's a, it's probably the best version of, of that you can ever eat. Um, baked oysters, seafood stuffed, just delicious. We're going to be serving on, uh, you know, 
serving out of our stone stone oven. We have uh, a really great uh, pork dish that I've been working on a whole lot that I think is it's really great. It's kind of a, a mix of uh, you know the feast uh, the feast pork belly that that I learned to make under Richard and, and, and a kosher on delay dish that we worked worked through at uh, a restaurant August. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really great dishes. It's going to be a little bit lighter than some of the, the normal Cajun Creole stuff, but it all kind of links back to the the way that Drake and I brought up and the way that, you know, the way that we've cooked around the world, around the country. So I'm, I'm really excited about the menu. Uh, and just tell us a little bit about the, the space, the design, because I, you know, it's that, you know, it's that new space. It's got the, the big glass windows right at the corner of uh, Buffalo Speedway in Richmond. And, and you've got the trees and the kind of a, an almost bucolic atmosphere to it. Yeah, I lo- we love the space. It's, it's such a beautiful space. It's right on the corner of Buffalo Speed in Richmond, surrounded by those huge oak trees. We have, uh, you know, 18, 18 foot foot ceilings that kind of broken up by some beams. Um, Jen, Jen Braverman's our designer. She's been here a couple times, I know. She's friends with you, and she's done a really good job of, uh, you know, just keeping it light. It's, um, we wanted to make it, it feel like, um, like, like home, it's a, it's a place that people can come and be comfortable because, we want it to be something for everybody. So she's done a really good job of, you know, keeping the, keeping the finishes really light. And, you know, as right now we're in the last, last final, final week of construction and all the stuff is starting to come together. It's, I'm really excited to share this. We, you know, we have huge windows that kind of surround the, um, surround the restaurant and um, it's going to really be a, a good backdrop for, for what we're doing inside. I mean, Drake, how do you sort of see it fitting in the neighborhood? Cause there's so much going on right there with Greenway Plaza and you're kind of close to, River Oaks and Upper Kirby and West U. I mean, what do you, how do you, Sir, who do you think of as the, as like a typical Eunice diner? Uh, you know, I, I think where, where we are, hopefully the, the restaurant, I think, has to be uh, a couple of different things, right? And so I think for lunch that there's so many uh, offices there in, in Greenway Plaza, people that have 45 minutes to an hour for lunch, right? And so I think most of those diners probably dine out regularly. Um, I think we will, we would definitely want to feature tons of nice light salads for lunch and uh, and some sandwiches and some options that are uh, that are kind of really approachable and, and light and you still feel good when you leave. Uh, we're gonna offer a great happy hour with uh, with some shucked rubble oysters, you know, uh, half price on some cocktails and and beer and, and wine by the glass, and uh, and so hopefully we catch, you know, hopefully that a couple of people after work join us right nobody wants to go straight into traffic right like, yeah yeah stay and have a, a sazerac and a dozen oysters special that corner yeah yeah you know that 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 would be great and and then hopefully for dinner uh people people come back and uh and it's a little more elevated right so as the as the kind of the uh the lights come down a little bit and so the sun sets under those oak trees and the uh the the mood and the menu will be a little more um you know, a little elevated and we'll change over to dinner for a couple of things and, and it'll be just a little bit fancier than lunch and we'll offer kind of our larger some steaks for, uh, you know, some steaks for two and some of the uh, the whole roasted fish for two and a couple of things that we are, uh, we've been working on. Those all sound like things I want to eat. Yeah, it's all great and we're really excited to share. Yeah, and you guys have done a few pop-up events. I mean, I ran into you at uh, Fluff Bake Bar a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You've got... Uh, You've got something coming up at Kirby Ice House on, well, on on Thursday, the day this podcast yeah, Thursday, comes out. Thursday the thirteenth, we're we're popping up at uh, at Kirby Ice House. We're going to be out in the parking lot. Um, it's a pop up. We have we have a couple of food items to we're, we're giving it away. We want to you know kind of make this as uh, as our uh, our entrance into the into the community and kind of as our announcement that we're coming you know, we're coming very soon. We have uh, some some fried boudin balls that we're gonna we have we're gonna have um, some shrimp po boys, some little mini, mini shrimp po boys that. 
we kind of are one of our specialties and we have some gumbo that we're going to be yeah so if anybody wants to come by and, and try our food and get, get meet us and get to know us we're gonna have a lot of our staff out there and we'd love to, we'd love to serve you and love to feed you yeah so what's your best guess at this point on when you think the restaurant's going to open you know what? That's uh, that's a good question. I, I think by October first we're going to be. I'm I'm confident to say that by October first we'll we'll be serving food. Yeah, I mean this is this project has been a long time coming. It has, yeah. Um, let me just ask you about one other one other part of this because, you know, originally when this restaurant was announced, it was John Besh's restaurant in Houston, and you know for a whole bunch of reasons related to the. Me Too movement, John Besh is no longer involved directly or daily with the company he founded. Um, I don't necessarily want to get into the who did what when kind of aspect of that, but but I did want to ask you, what's it like opening this without him? How is it different than maybe what you thought it was going to be like when he was going to be more directly involved? Uh, you know, I mean... It's a it's a little different because of some of the situations and right because of there's always a question about what do you what is the company like what is am I working for a quality company right there's now questions about everything we do um, you know I think for us we've been here we've we've been as a as a as a young cook right we've been we've been young cooks we've been employers and we just want to be the best employers that we can be we want to bring up people that work in this industry. Right. Um, you know, so not having John, not having John around in the day to day, um, hasn't changed. I think things a whole bunch because as he was a very busy guy and he wasn't around the restaurants on a day to day in the last couple of years. Right. So, um, I do think that you have, you have questions that are being asked about, you know, about the, um, I guess about the, well, yeah. So what do you tell a, a prospective employee who says, What's the culture like here now? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the culture is, I think, what we always thought it should be, right? We are, we are people who want to start a business to grow young talent, to grow young cooks, and, and hopefully they learn a little bit from us and they go on to, to pass that on. I think that, you know, as a person who's been around the industry, I think that we want to use the best things that we've seen and put those forward, right? And make sure that our people get the things that they need to be successful. Um, whether it's whether it's management, whether it's um, hourly employees, whatever it is. I yeah. mean, Daniel, you you started as a young cook working for at August. I mean, does it feel different now? Like uh, a different company in some ways? It does. It's I mean, it's grown so much in the past past ten years since I uh, first started at August. It's, it's it's changed tremendously, but um, the fact that you know, if it was a bad company to work for, I was away for four years, I would never come back. I think, you know, I, we have a, a, such a great, strong, very talented, very driven, very focused corporate team. Um, Shannon White's our CEO. She's amazing. She really, really knows service, really knows, you know, we have, we have tons of chefs that work in this company that, I mean, the, 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 the family, the chef family tree, I guess, of, of the people that have come through here. I mean, you can't, you can't find better chefs in the South that have come through this, this company. It's, it's a really is a, it's a, it's a great place to work. And, you know, I, I, I would ever have come back. It was a, it was a bad place to work. So, so, I mean, have you had any contact with John in the run up to the opening? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we still stay in touch, right? He's someone that we still, that I still keep. He still owns the company. And so he's someone that we still send texts back and forth. He checks in and says, Hey, you know, hope everything's going well. 
whatever we can do, whatever I can do to, to be of, to be of any help to you, you know, let me know. And so, uh, that's kind of where it stands. And we're very fortunate to have so many talented people in this company. I, I think that's the misconception is that, you know, that, that there's one person that drives a company of 800 employees and it, it's not, it's not the case at all. Right. There's a talented group of people, Shannon White, Drew Meir, uh, some of the, the staff that, we we've brought over Luke Smith, our GM, Justin Solomon. Um, there's so many people that we've hired and that have come to New Orleans that have been with us that we all came up through the ranks together, right? And so that's what um, you know. That's what makes this company so special. Well, right. I mean, I was reading. I I know Pete Wells had an essay recently about David Chang, right? You think of these, you know, he's got restaurants in, you know, uh, what two or three different continents and and you know, multiple countries and multiple cities all over the country. Every, you know, it's like, he's not really a chef anymore. He's a, he's sort of a restaurateur. He sort of assembles talent and then gets the top spinning and sets them on a path. Right. And, and I think that's kind of where, where you guys are. You were always going to be operating pretty independently of whatever was going on in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, this, this whole thing, it just, it makes you aware as a manager of, of, you know, you might not have in the heat of a moment. It makes you more aware of how, how you treat people and how you how you act. And I think it's 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 a good thing to, to be a little bit more aware. Every, everybody, you know, for no matter how you interact with people and how you talk to people and how you treat people, it's you you got to be aware and you got to be, you know, put the other person before yourself. And I think that's that's really what we're focusing on. Yes, it's it's one of the profound disappointments of my professional life that I'm not allowed to yell at people anymore. <laughs> but but it's it's probably better for everyone around that that I don't do that. Um. So let me just uh, shift this to a, uh, a slightly lighter note. But uh, Drake, what's uh, like? How do you feel about this? I mean, you've been waiting. You've been waiting so long to open this restaurant. Are you? It's it's getting close. How do you feel? Yeah, you know, excitement, right? I think um, excitement. Just ready to get it going, just ready to be able to cook, to ready, ready to be able to host people in our space that so many people have worked really so hard on, um, that our team from all over, uh, from New Orleans to Houston, and so many new people that we've just brought on board in the last couple of weeks as we started hiring, and, and uh, just to be able to host people in, our, in an extension of, of our restaurant, an extension of our home, to, uh, to, to be able to have people over, and to hopefully they can celebrate um, they can enjoy dinner. They can come for, for lunch and just to, to be able to cook, just to be able to cook for people and do what we love. Yeah, we have uh, the staff that we've, we've gotten and the people that have, come, that, that have signed up to come work for us. I'm really happy with they're all really hospitality minded and really, really professional people. And I think we're going to have a great team. Is it, is it starting to feel more real now that you've had these pop-up events and you're able to start serving the food to people? Not at all, no. <laughs> it's still <laughs> real. But I mean, the reaction has been good. Yes. Yeah, it's been great. I think everybody's really have a really strong reaction to our food, and we've had you know the the fluff bake bar pop up. We had a really really good turnout, and everybody seemed to enjoy themselves. And the the food I thought came out pretty came, came out of the kitchen pretty well, and everybody said it was delicious. So I think you know I think we're getting a good reaction. All right, gentlemen. Well, unless you have uh, something else you want to talk about, that brings me to the end of my questions. Great. Well, yeah. Thanks for having us. Well, man. we appreciate it. Thanks well, for well, you, having us. You can't, you can't leave without the lightning round. Oh, the lightning round. Of course, the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Daniel Blue, what's the first, uh, what's the first restaurant you ever worked at? Uh, the first restaurant I ever worked at was Italian Pie in Metairie, Louisiana. <laughs> Washing dishes. Drake, how about you? Uh, Lynn's Steakhouse, Evangeline, Louisiana. 
Drake, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Garth Brooks. Daniel? Uh, Paul McCartney at the Superdome. On the Off the Ground tour? Uh, I, you know, I was like eight, and I, my parents my parents had an extra ticket. My uncle was supposed to go, and he got sick. So I got to go, and it was, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty life-changing. Daniel, who's your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? I don't follow Houston sports a whole lot, but I would have to say Nolan Ryan just because he's like a legend. And yeah, Drake, how about you? Craig Biggio. That's a good answer. Um, Daniel, what is your fast food guilty pleasure that comes from a restaurant with a drive-thru? Oh, man. I know I'm probably going to take Drake's answer, but I'm going to say uh, Billy's Boudin, Scott, Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> Drake, did he just steal your answer? Amen. <laughs> um, and then finally, where's your favorite place to get a taco? Uh, I like Taqueria's Paloma, the one in uh, Avant Garden. I think that they do a really good job. I think it's yeah, it's an underrated. Yeah, yeah. Drake, they do a you? great pastor. Uh the Alabama Ice House at the little truck there. Yeah, I can't say nothing wrong with uh, Taco Sierra Caliente. All right, gentlemen, give us the website and the Instagram and all that stuff for Eunice. EuniceRestaurant dot com and Eunice Restaurant on Instagram. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at E Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.